The title of my message today is A Sound Heart. A Sound Heart. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the springs of life, or the source of life. You know, we hear all kinds of things about our heart. You know, even, even uh, in the non-Christian world, if you will, the, the term heart is used a lot. And sometimes it's confusing what a heart really is. But the Bible has a different way of explaining it. It's the very essence of our life inside of us. So a sound heart is very important. A sound heart is uh, uh, something that we operate out of and we do things out of and we believe things out of more than just our natural thinking. Before we start and talk about what a sound heart is, I want to talk about what an unsound heart is. You know, an unsound heart is full of anxiety, full of depression, uh, anxiousness, unsettled, rejection, and all of these things, uh, all of mankind suffers with them. We all have issues. We all are dysfunctional. If you, everybody looked to their right a little bit, go ahead and do that. Just look to your right. Okay. Now look to your left. Now you've just seen some dis- dysfunctional people. <laughs> you, you said, look, oh, I, she's got issues. Oh, he's got issues. I know that. Well, we've all got issues. Because when the fall came, when Adam fell... And Adam and Eve fell into sin. We were cut off from the life of God. We were cut off from the very essence of life because there was a spiritual death in us. So we no longer had communication inwardly like Adam and Eve originally had with God, with his spirit. You know, it was so natural communicating with God through the spirit. But when that died... Because the Lord told them, he says, if you do this, you will surely die. And of course they died. They died spiritually. But they stayed alive physically, just like all of us were alive physically. But a spiritual death is forever. And so we have, that has been broken in us. And mankind doesn't know how to handle all these things. We have so many things going on in the world today and we have, you know, we have the internet, we have Facebook, we have Twitter, we have all these things. And we hear the news right now, and we hear horrible news. You know, years ago, when, we were, when I was a kid, you didn't know much more than what they said on the radio. I mean, can you imagine that? Uh, the telephone, you know, you want to call your neighbor, it's one long and two shorts. The kids wouldn't even get that today, but, you know, uh, that was the only news you had. But now we have news that we can't even handle all that. You know, we, we look at news today, and we hear of murders, of rapes, of terrorism, and things like that. And that, all of that can contir- contribute to an unsound heart. <clears throat> You know, what that does in us, you know, when we were disconnected from God by our spirit, we were no longer able to handle all of these things that are upon us. 
We were no longer able to handle, we're not made to handle rejection. We're not made to handle depression. We're not made to handle conflicts. We're not made to handle another person's rejection of us or another person's um, disclaimer of us, another person's, uh, I don't like that person. We're not made to handle that. In the spirit, we were. It wasn't even there. But now here we are, naked, and trying to handle these things. And from little on, when we're babies, and as we grow up, we experience all these things, and some of us get so dysfunctional, we turn to drugs, we turn to illicit sex, we turn to alcohol, we turn to all kinds of goofy behavior, because we just can't handle it. We're not made to handle that. You know, and, and we, we have a, a, uh, a sustenance in us that says that I, there's got to be a way that I can get this. There's got to be a way that I can overcome these things. You know, there's been, uh, you know, even, even fame. Um, I, you know, I think of Elvis. Um, I think of Michael Jackson. I think of Prince. You know, they had everything. They really did. You know, Elvis would get in his plane and he'd, uh, he'd fly from uh, Memphis to Denver because he liked the peanut butter sandwiches at this one restaurant. Get in, uh, the, what was it, Lisa Marie? Was that his plane's name? Get in the Lisa Marie and they'd fly over, take his crew and they'd go over and have some sandwiches. Had everything they wanted. All three of those fellows I just mentioned. But every one of them died of uh, drug usage. Well, what, what was lacking? What was possibly lacking in their lives? Well, a broken spirit will do that. A disconnected spirit from God will do that. You know, sometimes there's, there's so much that we just get so overwhelmed you know, I, I don't think I've ever had a broken spirit, or I think I might have had a crushed spirit, you know. But some of you have had crushed spirits, even broken spirits. And that's hard to overcome. That's when you need the fellowship of your other believers to pull you up and pick you up. But a crushed, the Bible says that a crushed spirit dries up the bones. <clears throat> Excuse me. And when you know when, when, when your bones start drying up, uh, they're affecting your whole body, your whole health. Our health is really connected uh, to this whole thing of being overwhelmed with things that we can't handle. So that's a description of a sound heart. Even uh, an unsound heart, even someone like famous preachers. You know, they become so famous, and the Word of God is working so powerfully in them. I think of John Alexander Dowie. That was his, when his voice, you know, there's some old, he was back in the 20s, I think. His voice was so authoritative, I, I've heard a couple of clips. And it was just, you could just sense the presence of God in his voice, even on an old film clip. And he would, he would answer prayer over telegraphs. They would telegraph him and tell what was wrong with, in the family 
and he would telegraph back and say, your sister will live. The cancer is dead, or uh, whatever was wrong with her. The epilepsy is dead. And, and they were healed. Powerful man like that. Well, he turned around, and he just he thought he was Elijah. He just couldn't handle, he couldn't handle the fame. So he thought he was Elijah. And he just got all tweaked out and goofy and ended up with just all kinds of diseases himself. So we're, we're meant to and built to be with our creator, to commune with him, uh, to, to sup with him, to fellowship with him. And this is what the cross did. This is what the cross brought it all back and said so we can have fellowship with him again. I want to look at Luke uh, chapter 21. And uh, this is on the old times. And, uh, old times. End times. When you get older, you're talking about the old times. <laughs> but it's talking about the end times, but that's not the focus that I wanted to get out of this. We're going to start with uh, Luke 21, verse 25. Uh, speaking of the end times, and there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and upon the earth and dismay among nations and perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves. Verse 26 says, Men fainting from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now, that's some bad stuff. That's some troubling stuff there. But as we read on, those troubled hearts that he's talking about right there, they're going to faint, totally overcome with fear. Verse 27 says, And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now that's going to be great for a believer. But that's not going to be good for an unbeliever. But when these things begin to take place, straighten up, lift up your hearts, because your redemption is drawing nigh. Lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing nigh. And then he told a parable, saying, Behold the fig tree and the trees, and as soon as they put forth leaves, you will see it and know for, sh- for yourselves that summer is near. And even so, you too, when you see these things happening, recognize that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And verse 34 is what I want to focus on. Be on guard that your hearts not be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life, that the day may come suddenly upon you like a trap. That word dissipation is really a word of carousing or a, uh, a careless way of living, of taking things, only what you see, only visible things that you see, not things of the Spirit, not the Word of God and the promise that He has for a believer. And the worries of this life, remember when, when uh, Jesus was talking in uh, uh, Matthew, he was talking in the Sermon of the Mount, he told him, you know, don't worry about things. You can't change one thing by worrying. Because worrying will give you an unsound heart. As we read on here in Luke, verse 35, it says, For, we will come up those <clears throat> for uh, it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of the earth. But keep on the alert at all times, praying in order that you have the strength to escape these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of God. I want to point out in there it says praying, and that word pray, praying in there means keep communion. 
In other words, you don't pray that you'll survive. You pray for communion, for, for continuity of fellowship with your Holy Spirit. That's what that praying is. Not, you know, Lord, I hope I make it. Because you have made it as a believer. So your communication, your prayer with him, is your strength in itself. In Proverbs, 20, uh, Proverbs 17, 22, we mentioned a half of it before, but a joyful heart is like medicine, but a crushed spirit or a broken spirit dries up the bones. In Romans chapter 6, does, is it any surprise that I go to Romans here at all? Romans chapter 6, verse 4. I've got a little bit of reading here, but we're going to go into the avenue. We're going to go into the area of how to have a sound heart. How to have a sound heart that when all these things that we read about, even in end times or even the things we see today, uh, we're all going to face things that are going to be uh, difficult. But a sound heart will get through this. A sound heart will make it. A sound heart will be victorious over this. That's the kind of heart that Jesus has given us. Remember, he said back in Ezekiel, I'll give you a new spirit and a new heart. He said it in Jeremiah 31, I'm going to create a new heart within you and a new spirit within you. So that's the way he wants us. He doesn't want us afraid. He doesn't want us scared. He doesn't want us anxious. And he doesn't want us depressed. But we have to do it. We have to know some things that he's supplied for us that we can have a sound heart. Verse 4 reads, And therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, buried with Christ, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, that we too might walk in newness of life. That newness of life is, boy, that puts a bounce to your step. You're on this earth going through things, but there is a newness of life in you. Reading on, we see uh, verse 5, For if we become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Every believer that dies is guaranteed a resurrection. Isn't that awesome? Death comes to all of us. And we're going to read later on here, death does not have any mastery over us anymore. The only mastery it has over us is in our natural body. That's the only thing that dies in a believer. Because, as we read on, the rest is already dead. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, and that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves for sin. Hallelujah. That's great news. But we've got to really process that. That the old man inside of me is already dead when the cross, when Jesus was on the cross. Our old man died. Well, reading on, <clears throat> for he who has died is freed from sin. We always say that you look at a dead man and he's not sinning anymore. He can't possibly sin. That's the way we will look at ourselves and see ourselves. That I am no longer alive. My sin nature is no longer alive. Just imagine that. My old nature. <clears throat> now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. He's in heaven right now, sitting beside the Father, 
And uh, our, we are there too. We're seated with him. In Ephesians it says, we're seated with him in heavenly places right now. And death no longer has any mastery. You know, we're getting a little bit better at this, but, you know, Christian funerals are that's a pretty joyous time. I know we're going to miss our loved ones. We're not going to see them again. Our natural, <clears throat> our natural association will be severed. But this is the greatest thing that can happen for a believer because now he enters into resurrection life. No mastery over us anymore. <clears throat> for the death that he died, he died once for all. Uh, the life that he lives, he lives to God. And even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. You know, that's kind of an overwhelming thing because the first thing we see is, really? Then why am I desiring to sin? If my old man is dead, then why do I have a lust for this or that? Why do I still want to possibly uh, steal or lie or watch pornography or lust for another person? Why would I want to do that if he's dead? Well, the Bible tells us to reckon and see that dead. You know, that's an amazing thing. You know, faith comes in here. And faith, you, you, you accept this by faith because this is what the Bible says. So you accept it by faith. And you look at it and say, that is dead. Now he says, now you consider that. Now it takes faith to do that. You know, the other day I was just thinking about faith. You know, we would like to have... In order to be right with God, if we had a set of few laws, we walk into church, we kick the wall three times, come on and pat the pastor on the back three times, uh, rattle a tin can, you know, throw some sand uh, you know, at the wall or something, and say, there, I've done those five things that makes me righteous. We'd, that, that's, we'd love that. Because I've seen and experienced all that. This we have to take by faith. And faith, when it's in your heart, is the most powerful thing on earth. Faith in the believer's heart is what God is counting on for us <clears throat> to use and to experience. We know in Hebrews eleven six it says, without faith it's impossible to please him. Now he's not putting an indictment on us there and, you know, and pointing a finger, but he says that's how it works. It has to work by faith. You have to accept this by faith. <clears throat> in Colossians 3... <clears throat> Colossians 3, uh, starting with verse 1. We're still looking at things here and how to build a sound heart. Verse 1 says, uh, If you've then been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Keep seeking. It says, keep looking, keep seeking, keep evaluating, keep drawing these things. Verse 2, set your mind on the things above and not on the things of the earth. <clears throat> you know, we talked earlier about things just overwhelming us. Just too many things going on in life. I think the Bible tells us that if we set our things on heavenly things, these other things line up quite easily. 
I think we'd probably own less things. I think we would have activities that wouldn't cause stress. I think we would be in involvements that have way less stress if we just focused our mind or set our mind or established our mind on things that are above. Because he says, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, just like it says back there in the sixth chapter of of Romans. We're hidden in God right now. That ought to start building a sound heart for us. I'm not out here wandering. I'm not out here trying to please him. I'm not out here trying to do everything right because my old self has been crucified on the cross. And the, the, the more I can reckon that, or the more I can consider that, the more freedom I experience. And he decided to do that before any of us were born. That was his plan before any of us were born. <clears throat> when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him. You know, even all the angels don't know who's going to be the sons and daughters of God. You know, they're kind of anxiously waiting now. You know, they're waiting. I wonder who's going to be these glorious people that get to spend eternity with him. Who are they going to be? And it's going to be glorious because they have the glory that Jesus has. He's sharing that with them. Boy, it's like a package waiting to be opened. Who's going to share that glory with him? Therefore, and we read this again now as we read in uh, Romans. Consider the members of your uh, earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. You know, that word passion in there sneaks in there. You know, and I used to read that and say, well, come on, there's a lot of passion in this world. I mean, there's a lot of good passion. You know, be passionate for things. I mean, I, I, I have a passion for this. I have a passion for golf. Not me. Darren does. Darren's got a passion for golf. Mike's got a passion for golf. Um, I have a passion for things. Um, A lot of us have passions for things. Passion's good. Passions put life in us. What this word is, is the word pathos in Greek. And pathos, we get that word pathological, like he's a pathological liar or a pathological thief. And what, what that really is talking about is inordinate affection or lust or a deranged lust. That's what that passion is talking about. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> verse 6, For it is on account of these things that the wrath of God will come. You know, we see God as such a loving God, such a kind God, that would do these wonderful things for us. But there's going to be people uh, that are going to reject this by the thousands and millions and have for time. They're going to reject the free gift of Jesus. They're just going to reject it. Even today, you, you'll hear a blasphemous things being said about Christ. He's not going to let that go because he's just. He's a just God. He's not mean, not out to get us. Oh, I can't wait to crush him. But he's fair. He's just. He takes care of those things. <clears throat> and in them also you once were. We walked in that. And now you also, in verse 8, put all this aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. What he's doing, he's painting a picture 
of what we ought to look like once our mind gets renewed and figures out what's going on inside of us. The redeemed new person inside of us. And do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. In verse 10, and put on the new self who is being renewed to the true knowledge according to the image of the one who is created in him. That is what's happening inside of us. We as believers have a born-again spirit, the Holy Spirit living in us, influencing and changing our mind and becoming the image of the one who did all this. I like the idea of clothing, you know, clothes, you know, put on. You know, they just had the Hall of Fame, NFL Hall of Fame, to put on a gold jacket. You know, that, that signifies you're in. You're in the Hall of Fame. Uh, what's the golf thing uh, where they put on the green jacket? Okay, the Masters, right? Okay. Put on the green jacket. See, it identifies you. I'm, I won the Masters. I have a green jacket in my closet. And see, that's a picture that we can have of Christ. We put on the new man that's inside of us. Every one of us here that are believers... Put on Christ. And that's who we are. That's our new identity. That's the foundation of a sound heart. You can believe that's who I am? I have the righteousness of Christ? I have all his benefits? I'm going to live in eternity with him? That's who I am. That's who I really am. When I get convinced of that, when I can download it into the vault, that's awesome. That's, that, that's freedom. Then I've escaped. I've escaped from the old man. I'm a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. If we can picture ourselves as a new creature and not the person that everybody else sees and says, you know, uh, she's not very smart. He's too fat. Gee, he's getting bald. He's getting old. I don't think he can handle it very good. See, that's not the person we are. The person we are, by having faith in God's word, is we have the righteousness of Christ. And we gain that by believing. It's like Darren said last week. We don't, we don't gain it by praying hard and reading our Bibles every day and singing songs and tithing. We don't get it that way. We get it by entering in and receiving. By believing. <clears throat> Verse 11, And renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, uh, Scythian, slave, and free man, but Christ is all in all. What Paul was writing back there, you know, Greeks and Jews were so far apart. So far apart. They never crossed religious lines, if you will, at all. But now, because of Christ and his one-time death for all, for all sin, included everybody. The worst criminal in the world, the most notorious criminal in the world, this is for him. Because where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. The most vile, degrading person that has ever lived on this earth, if he would know this and receive it, he is a new creature in Christ Jesus. 
His past is gone. God remembers it no more. He's flushed it. Non-existent. And so, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, this is what he's showing us what we're going to look like, (coughs) or what we're starting to look like. Bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also forgive him. You know, looking at yourself as chosen of God, that, that, I'm, that he chooses me. You know, some days I think he just wants to say, you know, uh, John, thank you. Thank you for all you've done for me. Thank you for believing in me. Or Roger and say, you know, thanks, Roger, for what you've done. Thank you for encouraging other people that have been around you. Or to Rick, he'll say, thanks, Rick, for just caring for that homeless person. Thanks for doing that. That shows who I am. When you do that, then you show people who I am. Verse 14, and beyond all this, all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And verse 15 says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called into one body, and to be thankful. To rule in our heart, or umpire in our heart, or this is how it's going to go down in our heart, is by the peace that Christ already has. You don't think he has some peace. He's got some magnificent peace. That is the peace that we inherit to give us a sound heart. The peace of Christ will rule, umpire, and say this is the way it is in our hearts. The Bible tells us that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. He just sprinkled his love in our hearts. It's already there. It's already there. The sooner we can be convinced that we're new creatures and the old guy is dead, we're going to walk with a sound heart. We're going to walk in victory. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. If we look back here, it says uh, admonishing one another uh, without getting real technical here, which I really can't anyway, but the Greek really means yourself. Now read it this way. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, or the words Christ has spoken. We've got to remember when Paul wrote this, he didn't have what we're reading here today. The word of Christ was administered either by uh, sharing with one another or small little tidbits of possibly letters that we don't have on record, or probably the number one thing, the Holy Spirit, the words of Christ, speaking the, whole, the Holy Spirit speaking to them. And so we read it, uh, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom and teaching and admonishing yourself with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in the hearts of the Lord. I tell you what, if you grab an old, my dad used to sing in the basement of our, of our house. I could hear him singing down there. Sometimes he'd grab an old German hymn book and sing out of that. But I mean, he used to do that. I, I just, when I see this verse, I always think of that. 
But if you grab a songbook, maybe you can read it out of Psalms, or grab an old hymnal or something, and if you start singing, I'll guarantee you, you're going to come out of your doldrums. And some of this richness of the Word of God is going to come into your heart. It's already there. You need to release. Your mouth is so important to release things that are within your heart. Your mouth is meant to proclaim the goodness of God that is in you. And so when you start singing and making melody in your heart, you're going to release the Holy Spirit's activity in your heart. And you're going to get rid of the blues. I used to wake up with the blues all the time. Just never, you know, just kind of drag yourself out of bed. And I was a believer. Because I focused on me and what I did yesterday. Or what people have said about me or what they said to me or something. But that has really changed in my life because I start taking the word of God over and above what people's comments are about me. Or you. I'm not elevating myself here. Just This is what a believer does. Looking at you, you're the new creature. <clears throat> and whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. A sound heart is a thankful heart. A sound heart is not a grumbly heart. A sound heart is not a whiny heart. A sound heart is a happy heart, an overcoming heart, a thankful heart, an energized heart. It's the kind of heart that God has put in us. That's the kind of heart he wants to have every day. He wants us to activate it, walk in it, be a blessing to others, be a light to others, and really release the kingdom of God here on earth. I just want to close. I said this about three weeks ago. If I can recall the three things that I closed with. (laughs) One is, assault your mind with the word of God. Just assault your mind with the word of God. Secondly, really practice the presence of the Holy Spirit that is in you as a believer. Practice that. Make it, be conscious of that. And the last one, I don't remember. <laughs> the last one is uh, stay in the game. The enemy is after us. He's after what's right between our ears. He cannot... He is not after our spirit. You can't touch that. That's been sealed. We learned that in Ephesians, uh, first chapter, verse 13. We're sealed. But he can assault what's between our ears. And, and he'll, he goes at us hard. He's relentless. He's wicked. He's evil. And he wants to change our thinking. So guard your heart. Your heart is tied to your spirit. Your heart is tied to your mind. So guard your heart. Filter things. Stay in the game. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your words of encouragement, Lord. Thank you, uh, Lord, that you've already put victory in us. We've already made it because of the overwhelming power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. Lord, we look forward to serving you and glorifying you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.